The Amateur Skeptics is a proud member of the Dumbass Media Network. Find the Amateur Skeptics and other great podcasts at dumbassmedia.info. Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast, number 115. I know this is crazy and we just met, but here's some scripture. It baptized, maybe. I'm your host, Brian. Joining me this evening, Mac. Good evening, everybody. I can't talk that. <laughs> I can't even speak to it. <laughs> Ian. I'm just giving you a moan. Uh... Okay. <laughs> Terry. I don't think I can top Ian's moan. <laughs> <laughs> well, but we know who can top it. The dumbass himself. Oh, man. You feel like a woman. <laughs> How is everybody doing this evening? Not too bad. Not bad. Okay, I'm the only one here. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. That's good. Well, we have all sorts of stuff to do, but um, Ian, of course, has a couple of things here uh, right off the top to start with. Over this weekend, I was at Myths and Legends Con. It's a fairly new convention in the area. I brought it up last year as well. But this year was actually kind of cool because I went as an author guest. So I had my own table there. And I did pass out cards for the amateur skeptics and actually talked to a few people about it. So hopefully we have a few new listeners for this podcast. And if people from Myths and Legends Con who took the card and talked to me are listening, welcome to our little kind of twisted family here. I hope you enjoy it, and I hope I sold it well to you. But that was actually qu- quite interesting to actively have people, you know, right there that I could talk to about it. So it was, I, I actually like the experience of having my own table at a convention. Well, and it's good practice for later cons when you sell a bill of goods. <laughs> so, and I actually, um, for the first time at a convention, sold a couple copies of my book. Oh, that is good. You know, never before. I've done it. I've tried it. You know, like they'll have author tables and you can sit for an hour or two. They've never worked for me. But having table the whole time apparently made it a little more likely that I'd sell something. So that was kind of cool. Was Sarah selling her crafts at the same time? Yeah. Um. She actually did well well on Sunday. Excellent. Very good. Uh, she started slow Friday. Um. Nothing Saturday. She made enough money to justify having done the convention. Then she actually made the real profit on Sunday. Excellent. Good. So, it was a fun convention. I highly recommend it. It's just starting off. It's nice and intimate, kind of like just the opposite of Denver Comic Con, where it's all chaos. This one's a nice, small, intimate one where you can actually just hang out and relax. So Okay, very good. And now we're going to talk about breaking news that's not that happy. We're, just, we're kind of putting this in here partially because it is breaking news, and it's... I don't know, it kind of hit me weird. I'm not big on celebrity deaths. Normally, when I hear about them, I'm like, oh, that's kind of sad and move on. But Robin Williams um, was found dead today. And of, of all the celebrity deaths, this one has actually kind of hit me funny. I'm not quite sure why. But um, you know, that's not the main reason we're putting it in here. My first response to it, when my wife came up and told me, you know, she's like, did you hear Robin Williams? I'm like, what? She said, yeah, it's all over Facebook. And my first thought was, oh, not another celebrity death, death hoax. Um, we hear them all the time. And so obviously I got online and actually checked out and made sure the actual news was saying it instead of just, you know, one or two questionable sites. Normally, th- this is the type of thing we'd love to do a story on, but w- seriously, the, the news just came out like less than an hour ago on this. So we haven't put um, much together. So expect a future podcast where we will talk about Celebrity death, death hoaxes a bit more and go into, you know, what we think of it and some of the ones that have been out there that are just kind of messed up. And the, the fact that we are right now a society where that is our first thought. 
you know, you hear a celebrity has died, your first thought's going to be, wait a moment, are you sure? Is that not another hoax yet again? Because they've become so common. Do we think it's a hoax or do we just want it to be a hoax? Well, this one, I think I was wanting it to be a hoax more than anything else. Yeah. I mean, Robin Williams, I, I can understand how that would hit you really, really hard. I mean, he's been, you know, since Mork, okay? You know, I was growing up when Mork came on. I watched him on Mork and Mindy. I watched him in all kinds of stuff thereafter. You know, he could go from the funniest guy in the world to eerily intense. I saw him in a movie called One Hour Photo that was just about the creepiest damn thing I ever seen, I ever saw in my life. Hey. Not not overt horror, but just, yeah, you know. Oh, yeah. Growing up, he was like, I mean, his stand-up, some of the stuff that he did, um, uh, Robin Williams at the Met. I mean, it's still, I still want, I mean, in fact, I think in one of our just recent podcasts here, played a clip from that in, uh, yeah, in one of I them. I think you did. In our Real Men podcast. You know, and, you know, I could, I could crack wise and say his career was all downhill after Popeye, but it's not funny. No. Neither was Popeye. That's I like Popeye. <laughs> okay. So, you know, obviously, you know, he will be missed and we all have memories of him. And like I say, expect us to talk more about the celebrity death hoax phenomenon in the future podcast. Yep. Well, in, in slightly better news, um, just got uh, an email from uh, somebody wishing to join the dumbass media empire. Really? Oh, yeah? Yeah, there's a, a, a show, uh, No Religion Required, that uh, uh, I haven't listened to it yet. I'm going to listen to it and then get back to him. Sounds pretty promising, so... and. I'll say if anybody wants to listen to it, noreligionrequired.com is the address. Okay. Sounds good. Very cool. So we may have a new family member to our Twisted Little Podcast family. That's excellent. That's right. Great. All right. Well, on to a real hoax. Make believe. 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 F is for faith. There is a photo on Facebook, and the photo that says... I'm sure everyone has seen. I know yeah. I have. And it says... My first time seeing it personally. Okay. Hey, Facebook. As some of you may know, I'm Bill Gates. If you click and share the link, I will give you $5,000. I always deliver. I mean, I brought you Windows XP, right? This photo has been uh, going around for, for years. It's been for... It says... 16 years. 16 years. Is Facebook 16 years old? Holy mackerel. Is Windows XP 16 years old? Uh, is yeah. It really? Yeah, Windows wow. XP. Oh, my God. Wow, wait. Is Windows XP 16 years old? <laughs> I would be curious to see what he was no. actually, actually holding before the photo was retouched. Yeah, exactly. So, clearly, it's been altered, right? Yeah, that's very obvious. But if we... I mean, yeah, it's, it's obvious just from looking at it that that uh, typing wasn't originally on the card. Right. My guess is that he was holding up his own personal character sheet originally. You know what? It, it, this is wrong. Windows Windows XP, wasn't it released in 2012? Well, I wouldn't be surprised if that part's been changed over the years. Well, but here's the thing. Well, is that, is, XP is, was what are you, uh, XP was not released in 2012. XP was released in I like mean, 2002, I think. No. Oh, yeah. I mean 2000, okay, 2002, 2002. Right. 2002, right? But, but so, it, so it could be 12 years old, but it can't be 14 years old. <sighs> Right. And in this blog claims that the, which we found at debunking Christianity claims that the photo has been around for 16 years. 
which isn't possible either. It says in just 16 years, over 400,000 Facebook users disproved Pascal's famous 360-year-old wager. Unless, so they're claiming unless it was prophecy. <laughs> Bill Gates. This, is you know, though, th this really is just an updated version of the old ICQ messages that if you pass this message along, Bill Gates will give you m money. Yeah, right. And there was an email that went around that with the same kind of thing. Right, but here's the here's the claim that I don't understand. Facebook was founded on February fourth, two thousand four. So Facebook itself can only be ten right. years old. This entry clearly has issues. Yes, but on top of that, the he's claiming that what that people clicking on this photo is disproving Pascal's wager. Yeah, that was a very big jump. Right. So I, mean, I, th I think the idea he's going for here is that uh, the fact that so many people have clicked uh, clicked through it and nothing has happened for them, but that uh, kind of shows that. But wager, Pascal yeah, wager, Pascal says wager that it, it, yeah. you know, why not do it if doing it's not going to hurt you and has the possibility of reward, then do it anyways. Right. And, it's all about it's up. It's all about possibility, not the def definite. Uh, yeah. Definitely getting the reward. There's no harm in passing it on. It's not going to cause you any harm. It may make you look a bit foolish to some of your friends, but that's about it. And you know, if I don't pass on that chain letter, I might just die <laughs> like all those other people that are listed as having died or have something really horrible happen to them. Right, because they didn't pass on the letter. It's the same. Yeah, it's the same kind of thing. But I don't understand. Like, but yeah, so the way I understand Pascal's wager is that it's the idea that it's better to believe and be wrong than not believe and be wrong. Because if you believe and, and you're wrong, nothing happens. Right. But it's, if you don't optimists, believe, optimists are. Hold on. If so, and if you don't believe, then you go to hell and you're eternally punished. Right. If you're wrong. Right. If you're wrong. And I, I don't see how that is reflected in this at all. Well, no. It's only reflected in that all these people clicked that and nothing happened. Right. So okay. So Pascal's wager still applies. They were better off clicking it because they might get that five thousand dollars. I mean, it takes some credulous thinking to believe that, yeah. but still, they, they they you know share it because you just might get that five thousand dollars. Maybe it's true, but it doesn't harm you if it is not. Right. So, there is, so, there, so there is a lot wrong with Pascal's wager, though. I okay. Yeah. Well, the main the main thing I think is the idea that you can choose what you believe. Well, yeah, also, exactly. It also says that God doesn't care if you're honest or not. If you lie and believe in him, that's just as good as being honest and believing which, him. Right, which but is, you can't. Which, if, the, if this is an omniscient deity, which is the postulation, then lying and believing about him is probably worse than actually believing. Wor worse than being an honest atheist. Yeah, you would think. Right, yeah, so the idea that you can force yourself to believe something is erroneous. Yeah, because so, you can't force yourself to believe in Santa Claus or the Tooth Fairy or... I mean, you know. Wait, wait, hold on. Are we saying that the Santa Claus and the Tooth Fairy aren't real? Sorry, spoiler. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Did we ruin your life now? I'm sorry. So sorry. I should have put oh, it. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to need a moment, guys. <laughs> Crash that. Actually, isn't isn't uh, Santa Claus just Odin in drag? Okay. So Pascal's wager is fire insurance, right? It's it, it, yeah. it. The idea is just to protect yourself from hell. That that's his only purpose. And yes, yeah, so you can't, so we don't, we don't really choose what we believe. We either believe it or we don't. And if we're lying about our belief, then we still don't believe, right? But wouldn't right. God know if we're lying about it? That's the well, thing. that's yeah, the thing, he wouldn't would. he? He totally would. For faking. He's omniscient. He knows every, he knows what's in everyone's heart, according to the mythology. So can you fake believe in God and still go to heaven? 
That's what the wager's saying is That's, you can. Yeah. But that doesn't seem to fit with some of the other Christian beliefs. Okay, so here's my here's my take on this guy. Pascal's wager is one man's philosophical experiment. I know that a lot of people know about it, and a lot of people use it to cite things, but it's one man's philosophical experiment. Why is this guy's big thing that he disproved Pascal's wager? Why is his life's work to have disproved Pascal's wager? Well, wait, who cares? So, if, who cares about that? I mean. I, 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 I do. Why? Because that's because the author's that's the author's thing. That's his whole thing is that he's disproved Pascal's way. I, I think he was just trying to make some snarky post to stick it to Christians. I think yeah. so too. That's yeah, kind of what it sounds it's like. A, it's to me. not a good snarky post. It's not even that. It's it, it's not well thought out. It, you know, it, it's easy, much easier to discredit Pascal's wager than what he did here. Yeah. Well, so. and even still, even if you discredit it and we say, I mean, cause, cause quite frankly, I don't think that you can, I don't think it's moral. No. I don't, I don't think that, you know, by trying to force yourself to believe something that, that, what, that you might not think is true is, is a moral choice. No. But you can't really disprove Pascal's wager. It's not, I don't think it's really disprovable. No. Cause the, the problem with, the problem with disproving Pascal's wager is that the only people who know if Pascal's wager works or not are dead. And they're not they're not answering us. Yeah, they don't seem to answer very well. Well, I didn't say disprove, I said discredit. Well, okay. It's easy it's to discredit. Rip it apart right, but, but here's the thing well is that the blog post is claiming to dis disprove it, right. not discredit it. Well dis the the um Pascal's wager is based on probabilities, and since we don't even know what uh, the probabilities are, <laughs> then you know it's it's hard to really say one way or the other. Although what you can say is that there are so many other possibilities than just the ones that he put in there that it would make the whole wager into a jumble of things. I mean, which God do you believe in? There are so many of the gods out there. Which version of Christianity do you adhere to? Because a lot of them claim that you adhere to theirs or you go to hell. You can't right. uh, adhere to all of them. Right. First, you have to limit it to Christianity. Then you have to limit it to a particular sect of Christianity. Then you have to, you know, drill it down, drill it down to whatever the, you know, the Reformed Baptocostals, what, what have you, you know, from... So. 1800s or something, right. you know. Yeah, and why would you want to? And why, why would you want to only focus on that possibility when there are so many other possibilities that would also send you to hell if they were true? Sure. Right. So here's how here's how it breaks down, and it's it's actually pretty simple. If you believe in God and God exists, you'll be rewarded with eternal life in heaven, thus infinite gains. If you don't believe in God and God exists, you will be condemned to remain in hell forever, thus infinite losses. If you believe in God and God doesn't exist, you will not be rewarded, thus infinite loss. If you believe in God and God does not exist, you will not be rewarded, but you have lived your life, lived your own life, thus infinite gains. Which I have a problem with that right there because, well, wait a second. So why is it that if you don't believe in God and he doesn't exist, you have infinite losses? No. If I don't believe in God and he doesn't exist, no I've, I, I've lost nothing. I've gained nothing. If, if you believe in God and he doesn't exist, you've gained nothing and lost nothing. But you might have lost a good chunk of your life worshiping an invisible sky daddy. Especially <clears throat> if you're treating this life as a trial run. And that's what yeah. a lot of people are doing. This life is just to get you to heaven because that's when the real life starts. Right. Yeah. And I, I've seen people that have sacrificed a lot of enjoyment of life just because they need to get into heaven. Right. And, yes. and, you, and you know, the, the whole wager also presumes that uh, the only thing you really need to do in order to get into heaven and avoid hell is just to believe in God. 
Right. Nothing else. Nothing else yeah. is required. There's no no other factors involved. When it's the other factors that most religions say really matter. It depends. You know, your, your Protestants, you know, it, at least most of them, it seems to be just the belief in God. That's your salvation. But with Catholics, it's works as well. Right. Oh, wait. Here, my wife wants to add something. What? Oh, doing good works. I think I, that's what it I meant works, to say. Works, and I think calisthenics are also important. Calisthenics are, yeah. The well, and if you, there are all these particular prescriptions too about how you worship in a particular way and how you pray in a particular way. And you have to get all of that just exactly right, given the however many thousands of different opinions about how to do that are. How well, do you pick the right one, even? Well, but how? Well, that's a really good question. But, I mean, you know, that's what many of these people are spending their life trying to figure out. I mean, if you've ever listened to the Reasons to Believe podcast, mm-hmm. I mean, that's exactly what they're doing is trying to figure out what to what to believe and how to believe and, and trying to justify it. All right. Anything else about Pascal's wager? I mean, I, I think that the, the post is I, – I don't think that you – I don't think you can prove Pascal's wager wrong. I think that we can come up with a lot of credible reasons why it's, why it's erroneous. But yeah, proving it I, wrong – I just want to know why Pascal's wager bugs him that much. Well, it's, it, I don't know that it bugs him that much. It's once, I mean, it bugs me a lot when people try to use that on me. Cause apologists bring it up all the all time. All the time. Yeah. yeah. So I understand why you, why, why the post is there, but I just don't think that he does a very good job in. No, in, he doesn't. No. It's... Yeah. I, I'm not sure what, what his point was. Well, I know what his point was supposed to be, but I don't think he got there. I think he just didn't think it through. Maybe not. I just mentioned. Some scriptures, get baptized maybe, and all the local dogs try to chase me. But here's some scriptures, get baptized maybe. Hey, so um, what do you guys think a Texas police department wants to get back in schools? Drugs. Drugs? Guns. Guns? It's Texas. Guns, yeah, guns, mm-hmm. yep. I'm changing my answer to guns. Yeah, dumbass, what do you think? Mmm... Prostitutes. Prostitutes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're all wrong, amazingly enough. He, they want to get God back in the schools. They posted on, um, the, uh, Rosberg Police Department posted a picture on their Facebook page. It says, let God back in our schools. Share if you agree. And they immediately got flack for it. Herman Meta, uh, the friendly atheist, put it up on his Patheos blog. The image, the police department. Quickly, he's the only one, by the way, the only friendly atheist. He's the only friendly atheist. No, that's, that's, that's true. He he put that up. He he. So he screen captured it and put it up. And then, of course, they, they got flack and tried to pull it down. But of course, if you put anything on the internet like this, it lives forever. Right. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, I I look at this and I think it was a poor decision, but anybody could have done it. And if you're spending if you're spending a lot of time on Facebook, the more time you spend on Facebook, the more likely you are to do it. Somebody might have thought it was their own page and and not the official police department page and clicked share by accident. Uh, absolutely. Well, no, 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 no. They they put they I, mm, look. It's yeah. it was they shared somebody else's photo. They didn't put this up themselves. So what? I'm not giving them a pass like that. Believe me, I'm, I, whoever I'm just saying it's easy to do. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was a good decision. But it would have been easy to do. I mean, here's the problem is if you are representing a police department, a government agency, you can't be doing this shit. It's no. not yeah. okay. I agree. But that's one yeah, problem. Have a little a professionalism. Right. Yeah. And you're going to get caught if you do it. It's going to live forever. No matter how yeah. quickly you think that you got it down, somebody caught it. 
Somebody got a screen capture and somebody put it on their blog. Yeah, in this yeah, day I and mean, age, I can also tell which one of them did it too. Oh See yeah, the guy which in the middle. The guy in the middle with the goofy grin, the and one his... that everybody else is getting ready to beat the crap out of. He did it. The guy in the middle with his <laughs> finger pointing to the floor. He had it raised pointing to God just a minute ago in victory, but yep. then they were taking the picture and he had to. That was it. <laughs> he had to bring his arm <laughs> you, you down. Pointed it, and they're all looking at us. They're all looking at us, going, "Okay." Yeah, we're going to take this picture all friendly, but as soon as the picture is done, we are going to beat nine kinds of hell out of this guy. <laughs> anyway, I mean, so it isn't the whole police department, of course. The problem with Facebook is it's one person who they've authorized to make do stuff on there or, or a couple of people they've authorized to do that stuff on their Facebook. And one of them made a poor decision. Right. Yeah. And if you're if you're representing a company like that, you can't consider the Facebook as your own personal, no. you know, soapbox. Right. So uh, in the Hemet Meta article, there's an interesting, he says at the end, um, he quotes Chelsea Hoffman, um, who I didn't read through the whole article to see exactly who that is. But she says, uh, since this Texas police department is a government body, it had absolutely no business legally encouraging and promoting the Christian God in public schools. This clearly deteriorated the trust that non-Christian members of this community had in their police to some degree. And Hemant goes on to say that she's right. It's not just about the separation of church and state. There's a genuine worry here. If the police department doesn't take the First Amendment seriously, how can they be trusted to protect the law in other instances? And I just think that's such a good summary of the problem. Yeah. And But here's the thing. It wasn't just the Christian God. It just says God, right? True. So, oh, I that's mean, right. Okay, yeah, so, so, be- so that's that's somebody's personal interpretation there. It could be the Muslim God. It just says God. Right. I say we put Cthulhu back in the schools. Exactly. No one Although ever took he, Cthulhu out of the schools, did they? Uh, I can create a Cthulhu on my own time. Cthulhu I think is he now, still dreams under the waters. No, Cthulhu is now married to Sabrina the Teenage Witch. That actually happened in the comics. <laughs> I'm not making it up. I picked it up. I had to. They did. Okay, Archie Comics um, did a series called Afterlife of Archie. Ian, now, is this should this be in the masturbation moment? <laughs> we don't have a ma- no, how do no we do a podcast without masturbating? I mean, we, we don't have a masturbation this moment, this uh, episode. And Ian, I am disappoint. <laughs> every episode, but anyway. So in the series Afterlife with Archie, apparently Sabrina the Teenage Witch brings Jughead's dog back from the dead, and that's the last time we see her. I guess her aunt's like threw her in limbo or something. Well, the dog apparently turns the whole town into zombies. And okay. most of the issues, I guess, are dealing with the zombies in Riverdale. Well, then the latest issue actually goes back to so- showing what happened to Sabrina in the aftermath of it. And she's like in a um, mental institute. And it ends the, the issue actually ends with her being married to Cthulhu. Okay. Do we get to see the tentacle porn? And there's no no sex in it. <laughs> this is not a Japanese comic, dumbass. It's an American comic. Once no again, I am disappointed. <laughs> Why do wait? Why does tentacle porn just have to be a Japanese thing? I mean, I it think just that is. no, we should it take it back. Is. We should take tentacle porn back. We, I mean, we should own it. I'm not leaving it just to the Japanese. They can't be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> That'll get me in trouble. <laughs> All I right. I want to write you an angry email after the show. Yeah, please. Would you? I would appreciate that actually. <laughs> Since we're so off track, I saw an article about a Taiwanese restaurant where all of their food is shaped like penises. They'll like shape <laughs> rice dishes into penises and carve jellos into penises. Have you looked at the Voodoo Donuts? Um, they, I they have. have. They have several that are shaped like penises and vaginas, and they've got yep. boobs. 
I got snowballs. You know, I think that's bikeable for my house. I'll talk to you guys later. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you what, though. You eat one of those things, and you, you, it, one bike ride's not enough to work off the calories from one of those donuts. Holy uh, mackerel, they are sweet. I believe it. Hey, everybody, it's rapture time. I was staring at the clouds from a 747 when I saw that there were thousands getting sucked up into heaven. And I knew that Armageddon time was nigh when the captain said, on your right, there's Mother Teresa floating by. Texas courts rule against homeschoolers who expect rapture and stop teaching kids. Did you guys hear this? Not until you put the article up there about it. Oh, just me. So, um, Michael and Laura McIntyre, uh, back in 2004, pulled all of their kids out of school. All nine. I, all nine. nine of their not all nine of their kids out of a private school that they had them going to. So they were all going to private school, and they pulled them. They they took them all out of the private school, and they were gonna they um and they set them up for homeschooling. What do you bet it was private Christian school? Well, I would imagine, right? Yeah. Well, it doesn't. Maybe anyway, it doesn't I'm say. Spe- I'm speculating. Okay. That's a wild it, speculation yeah. I'm, that, that, right? I mean, that's reasonable speculation. It probably was. It was some sort of a private school. That's all I know for sure few uh inadvertent facts about history and science or something probably probably (laughs) (laughs) terry uh michael's brother oh no tracy michael's brother um noticed that the kids basically they they set up um, the school and the uh they have a motorcycle business and they set it up in a room in the back the homeschool classroom yeah the homeschool classroom and he said that he never noticed the kids doing reading books doing arithmetic or and he didn't see any school uh, any computers or any other school supplies there and they would they basically just play music and stuff and so they sat around singing kumbaya apparently once again i don't know exactly what song it was he confronted them about it and they wait once again you've been asked this before <laughs> <laughs> The boy did get to sleep with his prom date, but that's not really anything to boast about. They they confronted him about it, and so they moved the school to uh to a rental house that they had, and they continued to the kids continued to go there and and do whatever they weren't doing. Later on, the somebody put gave in an anonymous complaint to the um to the district saying that the kids weren't being educated. Um, this gentleman Mark Minoza, he he started an investigation. He tried to talk to them. And basically, you know, just he 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 went there and asked them, you know, and asked them what they were doing. And then he asked another middle school, somebody from a middle school in the area to go by and to um, ask him what the curriculum was. And so and they refused to tell the tell them what curriculum they were using. They were asked to sign a statement saying, hey, you know, that, that they are actually providing an education and following the curriculum. They wouldn't even sign a piece of paper. They wouldn't even lie saying that they were educating their kids. I should go back. The reason that this came up, Tracy overheard one of the children telling one of their cousins that they didn't need to, to educate themselves because they were going to be raptured. So that's where the whole, so that's where the whole thing came in. And that's kind of what started the whole thing. I suspect it was the grandparents who gave the anonymous tip because their oldest child, Tori, ran away from home so that she could go to school. She had to run away from her home. And, and go to her – it looks like her grandparents so that she could enroll in school. From and when, what I would argue an abusive environment, if they're not educating their kids and uh, they have the ability to do so, sure. I call that child abuse. She was 17. Hey, hey. We don't need no education. <laughs> we also don't need no thought control. Uh, had to happen. So Tori runs away. Leave those kids alone. <laughs> 
So she ran away and she enrolled in high school. So right. that's a win for her. Yeah, except she had, of course, she has no, she couldn't bring, tell them what the curriculum was that she was studying. She couldn't show that she had done anything. And her parents refused to provide any information to the school as well. Obviously, she got confused because you're supposed to run away from home during the circus. <laughs> right. So, she, she, you know, she messed right there, up. they messed up in her education. It seems as if, and I am not a proponent of standardized tests. I feel like we have way too many of those, but it seems like they could give her some sort of standardized test maybe and sort well, of place her that they, way. They placed her in school a year behind where she should be. And I don't know how that worked out. They later asked, they asked the grandparents, they asked Tori to basically acknowledge that, that the, that they were pro- providing some sort of curriculum, which they failed to get involved. They, they, um, they wouldn't get involved at that point that, but Tori and the grandparents said at that point that they would, they wouldn't get involved anymore. So eventually Mendoza provide, uh, he does a, uh, truancy. Is that, am I saying that right? Truancy. Truancy. Truancy, truancy complaint against them and files that and files that with them. And, and ba- so this whole thing goes to court. I mean, uh, I should just summarize because it gets, I read through, the, I read through this whole appellate document and it's really interesting, but it is so hard to follow because they keep citing case law through the whole thing. And w- one of the things that I've noticed, cause I, I don't think I've ever read a document quite like this before. They, they will say, they will cite a piece and then they'll, and then they'll go through all the case law and then a decision. But basically, so they've, um, they file a, a truancy complaint against the family. The family then files her, basically says that they're being harassed and that they're being injured by them filing these false claims against them. Because God, right? Uh, well, they didn't say because God. They cite a whole bunch of case law in here. Are the, is their main argument that it impinges on their religious freedom to yes, ask, that's to require what, that's, their children to attend school? Yeah, that's one of their arguments that that the that the state shouldn't have any say in that. The other thing that they claim is that the truancy doesn't apply to them because their kids were never in private or never in public school, so it doesn't. Yeah. So they so they tried to tell the court that they were exempt from from the truancy uh, obligations because their kids never went to uh, public school. Which is completely false. The state, the state can enforce that at any time. And the other thing, the other thing that came up here is they, they had to cite whether or not the, uh, Mendoza got immunity from being prosecuted basically in, in the, all of this. And I mean, it just goes on and on and on. From the outside looking in, it seems so simple. It's interesting how complex it actually is. Exactly. Well, that's what I, okay. And I guess that's really the point that I was making. I read this article. It seemed real simple, but when I started reading this appellate document, um, the the appeal courts, man, they were thorough in 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 their sightings in in their claims to make sure that um, that they covered everything they needed to, and basically they overturned so uh, everything from the from the lower court. So the lower court found completely in favor of the of the family. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And then the appellate court totally overturned everything, every single filing of the lower court. You know, if the law were easy, we wouldn't need lawyers and paralegals and the court system to interpret it. Right now, did you guys know that um, in what the um, there's a there's a um, the, the other thing they tried they tried to say that they weren't that the truancy didn't apply to them because of the Lieber decision, which basically is given to private schools and parochial schools. But to get that exemption, you have to provide a curriculum, which the family refused to do. Right. But of course, to say that, it took several pages of citing other documentation through this whole thing. Right. Our, our entire, most they, they of our legal system is based on. What's that dumbass? 
Yeah, I was just going to say they they could have saved a lot of work just by lying and providing a cur- curriculum. They could have said, yeah. The other thing, and the other thing is that if they had gone through the administrative procedures, see, they they filed suit before finishing administrative procedures, and so the court, it, it come, the appellate court said that the lower court didn't even have jurisdiction in in the situation because the family didn't do their due diligence administratively to begin with. So a lot of stuff was overturned just because the family didn't go through the proper channels. And then they claimed they didn't have to go through the proper channels because they, they considered the, the claims harassment. And, and, and so this, so it goes back and forth, back and forth through the whole thing. My um, suspicion here is that they didn't provide the documentation because they're, they're trying to make a big deal out of it. Well, that, and that could be that they were trying to, that they were trying they're to set a, a precedent. Stand. Yeah. What I was going to say, though, um, what I was going to say is that our our legal system, the reason you've got so many different things are, that are in there is our legal system is, is built upon precedent. It's built on past decisions. Right. So all these different citations are past decisions that apply to this case. And apply to other cases. Yeah, and the family tried to say that um, that they were being singled out, and, there was, there's, and so they tried to claim another um, preference under that. And to which the court said, uh, absolutely not because other people with, um, homeschooling ha- have been involved in the same kind of, uh, involved in litigation. So they couldn't, so they couldn't, t- uh, so they couldn't do that one. But the one that really surprised me, I guess it surprised me, but I th- found extremely interesting, which I'm trying to find was basically, um, the Mennonites in Wisconsin, um, basically they, they did not want their children to go to school past eighth grade. Because they said that after they, they wanted them to go to elementary school through middle school because they needed to learn reading, writing, arithmetic. And the other thing, they needed to learn how to interact with people outside of their community because, you know, they're, they're faced with that on a regular basis. So they wanted that. But after that, they felt that the schooling was counter to their teachings and that the kids needed to be, you know, on, you know, on the, on the, um, doing the physical labor every day that they were going to do for the rest of their life. And so they just needed to start that and that the teachings in the school were counterproductive. And every and so other um, homeschoolers have tried to use that basically to say that they're exempt as well. But every time it has failed, the only people who have ever been successful with that were the um, were the Mennonites. Hmm, That's interesting. Yeah, it is. It's an interesting piece of uh, legislation. What I find kind of disturbing about the story, uh, back to the, I'm sorry, I'm going to hammer the abuse thing just well, let one me, more time. Let me, uh, before you do that, well, I'll let yeah. you do that. Uh, what, what this was called, I found it, is the, is the Old Order Amish and Conservative Amish Mennonite Church Challenge of Wisconsin Compulsory School Attendance Statutes, which require children to attend school until the age of 16. And it's, it's the Yotter decision. Yeah, so I mean, I learned so much going, going through this. I just wish that I could organize my thoughts well enough to get them out. Go ahead, Terry. Uh, what, I was just going to um, revisit the abuse thing for just a second. What is creeping me out about this? So these parents pull their children out of school to homeschool them and don't educate them. And then when somebody says, it looks like, hey, looks like your kids are falling behind here, they remove their kids even further from the public eye. So one of the functions of public school that's sort of implicit and not really explicit is that kids get checked in on by other adults on a regular basis. So kids show up at school malnourished, kids show up at school, you know, uh, with bruises or whatever, somebody's going to see that and maybe they'll get help. But when you remove your kids 
from public life and then remove them even further, it gets, a, I, I just find it just a little creepy. And maybe their kids were going out and about elsewhere or something like that, but yeah, I so, just think it, ugh. Yeah. They, the, their kids were being prepared to be raptured or become serial killers. So, um, the, the organization that, uh, that where they got the attorneys is the HSLDA, which is the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. So this association is the one that, 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 that did this legal defense for them. It's appalling to me that, you know, that there's an organization out there that is trying to, to do something. I mean, it's flimsy. When you read through this appeals document, we, I mean, it really makes it maybe, and maybe that's just because the person who wrote this really was um, disgusted, but they make it sound like the, like the McIntyre's situation was incredibly flimsy. And when you hear about it, it sounds incredibly flimsy. Some of this case law that, 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 that homeschool legal defense association, pointed out to try and say that they that this was a false claim every single one of them was like false claims again um, that a teacher was making false claims against a student's father about, about sexual abuse a false claim against a police officer who injured um, somebody's spine while he was um, asking the officer for directions and he was uh, do, you know doing traffic um, directing traffic you know, I don't know exactly what happened there. Maybe he's directing traffic and he turned and hit the guy. I, I'm not sure. But every single one of these that is, it was, was, a cl was clear that, you know, that somebody got a, you know, somebody got injured. Mm -hmm. And so their injury was not the same, but they were trying to say that their injury of having a false claim, a truancy, truancy claim against them was the same as somebody in, you know, physically injuring them. You know, it might just simply be that this, this legal defense organization, maybe that's the best they could do as far as arguments go. Well, it, makes it seems me... like a flimsy defense, and that might be the best they had. Well, may... they might have I... just been trying to gish gallop the courts with a whole bunch of BS. Well, that's what it looks like when you when you read through this. That's exactly what it looks like. That they just they just put together a whole bunch of erroneous reasons why the truancy claim was false to begin with, which got dropped, by the way. And then and then the court, you know, um, I guess they uphold upheld the harassment charges uh, against Mark Mendoza, that that he was harassing them when all he was doing was doing his job. The, the appellate court cites that he actually had a legal obligation to do this, and it was well within his authority to issue that. And to ask for that documentation. And the other thing is that they, they claim later in here that basically the state should, um, that, you know, that the state basically has no jurisdiction over, you know, their kids' education, which of course, um, the appellate court found to be untrue. I love how anytime you question anything like that, they start screaming religious persecution. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what's happening here. Yeah. I don't know. If this, you can, if you this, can. Uh, home defense, home school defense legal organization thingy. I, didn't, I know I didn't get their title right, but they deal, I'm sure, primarily with religious persons. Well, since it, most people homeschooling are homeschooling for religious reasons. Yeah, it makes me wonder if the Defense Association is primarily geared towards defending religious homeschoolers. It'd be, it'd be interesting to look to do more investigation towards them. Someone in the comment section wonders if uh, teaching your kids that they're going to get raptured up is uh, is actually child abuse. Well, I, I mean. You, we've heard claims, Richard Dawkins claims that teaching them, um, you know, religion in the first place is child abuse. So I, I and it's problematic, right? I, I hate to go that far because it seems, I don't know, icky. <laughs> but yeah, in I some agree. ways, yeah, maybe it is. 
So anyway, so I, I thought it was really interesting. But what was interesting to me is that the way that this is covered on the raw story, this write up, it makes it pr- sound it, it's pretty clear cut. But when you read the appellate document, it's incredibly messy. The whole situation, and the fact that the lower court let this slide is absolutely amazing to me. I mean, it, it's not good. Was the lower court driven by religious feelings in their own I, part? I, I in their know. own part, I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, I and we see, you know, that that kind of stuff. Lower courts, I I don't know. The lower courts may have a slightly different mandate than the appellate courts. I guess I don't understand the legal system well enough to to tell you why that why why something like this would happen. I'm not one of those law talking guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know that you know. I mean, the, clearly, I know what the appellate court does. You know, they they appeal decisions from the lower court, and they do it all day long. So, I mean, most things generally get appealed. Yeah. Do they still have a chance to appeal this ruling now? I or? imagine that it can be appealed to another to another court. I don't know what the next court is, you know, but I imagine that that, that they can appeal this one step further. But I do say I think that um, the person who wrote this did a pretty good job. And so I think it's going to be hard to appeal it. That doesn't mean they won't. I want to see it appealed on Judge Judy. I would like to see that. You know, we see the same kind of thing when um, when Utah was doing their same-sex marriage ban. Mm-hmm. That got appealed up to a court finally in Colorado. So it finally – so I don't know how the jurisdictions work either. Right. That's true. I think that went to a district court, didn't it? In Colorado. Well, it went to – so the so they appealed it up to a point where it got to a, an appellate court in Colorado. So I, I don't I you know, I I don't know how all this works. I mean our I, I know some about our legal system. Um ho- I hope more than you know, than the average Joe, but man, there's a lot I don't know. And and as I and as I read through this, I re- I realize just how much I don't know about our court system. Brian, you know what you need to know about our court system. Denny oh. Craig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyway, if you can stomach reading through the the uh, uh, um, the appellate decision, uh, it's extremely interesting. I mean, it's extremely boring, but it's also extremely interesting. Hard, it, it's hard to get through, but I mean, it's it's it is really interesting what they have to go through to make this case and these write ups. It kind of just doesn't do it justice. So, what would do it justice? Would would being virtuous do it justice? Well, you know what? It's hard <laughs> to find you know virtuous women anymore these days. It's so hard to find virtuous women, but a Mormon boy band knows how to do that or how to, how to mansplain at us, singsplain at us how to do that. So from Wonkat, Mormon boy wait, band. Wait, wait, wait. But before we go into this, Terry, this is very important. Yes. I want you to slowly tell us what you're wearing. <laughs> this episode is going to have a masturbation moment. <laughs> okay. Uh, Dumbass, why don't you told, slowly tell us what you're wearing? There you go. Yeah. Yep. Are you oh, wearing Ian, I want you to join in on this too. Short skirts, come on. Or low cut shirts. Low cut shirts. Being the way that you are is That's right, baby. I am not dressed in a virtuous way. I am in violation of the Mormon word of wisdom. I'm wearing a tank top. Uh oh. Exposes my shoulders. Oh. 
Wait. Yeah, I'm wearing shorts above the knee. Shorts okay, above I'm the knee. Okay, I'm unzipping. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the Wonkat article, Mormon boy band thinks you are so beautiful when you don't dress like a whore, which is just delightful. Uh, so <laughs> Wait, was that the actual title of the song? Of the article. Uh, oh, of the article, okay. You are so beautiful. Or Virtue, Virtue Makes You Beautiful is their cover of One Direction's That's What Makes You Beautiful. So uh, from Wonkat, hey, ladies, have you ever wondered what gets Mormon boys really super hot? I know I haven't, and you probably haven't, <laughs> <laughs> and neither have you over there rolling your eyes. But this Backstreet Boy-esque band of preppy white boys, plus one older black man because Mormons are totes into that diversity thing now, ripped off One Direction song, That's What Makes You Beautiful, to boy band explain to us anyway. Hey, where are you going? Come back. See, they do not like our short skirts. Oh, no. And they do not like our low-cut shirts. Oh, oh, oh. And they definitely don't like that one thing some of us can do with our ankles behind our heads. <laughs> okay, that's not in the song. <laughs> I'm just guessing here. Actually, uh, my favorite line in the song is, to prove we're right, we put it in a song. Oh, my God. I know. <laughs> Wait a moment. What? That's all you have to do to prove yourself right? To prove we're right, we put it in a song. There's a thing Actually, technically... The only thing you have to do to show something is right is rhyme it because rhymes have to be true. Ah. <laughs> I, I do love the fact that, I mean, this really shows, I mean, how important the patriarchy is. A bunch of young Mormon boys are telling other women how to be virtuous. Because they respect us. These boys respect us so much that they would like us to sit down and shut up and listen to what they're singing at us. <laughs> because nothing says, I respect you, woman, like telling women that they must believe what they're being told and that you need to stop dressing all hoary. Girls Honestly, with integrity women, are hard to find. Women who are dressed a little provocative can be quite virtuous and quite interesting and worth talking to. I, the two things don't have to be separate. Um, wrong. I like how they. I like how they use the word integrity too. Like girls with the line you just quoted. Girls with integrity are hard to find. It's like, um, the way you dress has anything to do with your integrity. Yeah, exactly. Not a darn yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, there's this whole modesty thing that I've this trope in the Mormon religion about how it's up to women to cover themselves up in order not to inspire impure thoughts in the young men. Yeah, and you know. It, it's the women's fault if they, you know, men get that kind of thoughts about them. The song does kind of reflect that. You know, if you want men to respect you, you have to, you know, you know hide your physical body because no one respects your physical body. But guess which state has the highest rate of plastic surgery? Hmm? Utah. Utah. Really? Uh-huh. Yep. Wow. Yes, I know. <laughs> and the highest rate of porn use, too. Because, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, I just lo I love I love the the ongoing trope that women have to cover themselves up so men's penises stay flaccid because you know do they realize that underneath all of the layers of shit that we're actually naked down inside of there like how many layers do you have to put on? Whoa 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 whoa! Don't give it all away. <laughs> <laughs> what I thought was awesome too is I scrolled through the comments and you know ex Mormons are the most bitter people in the world. As you know from yes. talking to me about this, um, there's a young woman in here who posts a comment. She's like, oh, that's really nice. These are the same boys who won't ask a fat girl to dance with them <laughs> <laughs> at the at the church dance. Nice. Because <laughs> they actually do care how women look. <laughs> what uh, I'm finding interesting, however, is that at least the comments that I see on the YouTube one is all these women are just absolutely gushing over this over this song 
about, oh, it's so nice that there are still men like this. Men who respect us. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got the uh, I got the link from a Mormon relative. So, yeah, who thought it was a, a fine thing. You know, it, it's just funny to me that respect is so bound to what you're wearing, um, particularly with the Mormons. And sex. It's all and about sex. sex. It's all about right. sex and control, right? Right. Yeah, because, you know, I mean, virtuous women. So we save ourselves for marriage. We do not masturbate. Like, there, nobody's telling the boys to cover their asses up. They're telling them not to masturbate, though. They are telling them not to masturbate. But they're not telling women not to masturbate because that's a non-issue for women, right? Cause and women men's fashion doesn't tend to get uh, uh, too revealing most of the time. Well, and even if it does, it's it's not as titillating as a, a you know, a woman. I thought we talked Except about the I World Cup. It. I thought we talked oh, about yeah, the World did. Cup already. Yeah, 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 we did. You're right. Exactly. You're right. Yeah. World Cup players, man. Yeah. Anyway. Well, I guess that, you know, you come back to it. I mean, that there's a small section of society that people want to see naked and the rest of them, please cover up, right? Sure. But again, it had, like you were saying, it has nothing to do with what type of person you are, or how intelligent you are, or whether you're good or bad. Or <sighs> This reminds me of a conversation I had with a friend not too long ago about whether uh, stripping was inherently degrading to women. There's a lot of those kinds of conversations that I've had, like, is porn degrading to towards women? It's like, uh, those are those questions, isn't that isn't that up to I, the person doing it to decide whether it's degrading to them? Yeah, I think that I kind of feel like it's that person's decision. It's I almost feel like I f almost feel like, like stripping is probably more degrading to the men who go to see the strippers. Mm. It, it depends on why you go, I think. If, if you're there just to oogle them, I, I I haven't been to strip clubs in a while, but when I went, I enjoyed watching, you know. It, I, I wasn't there to turn them into items, you know, or anything. I was there to just enjoy the show that did arouse me. And I I myself was very polite to the strippers and thanked them for the show. You went for the stuff. articles? Well, you know, I've never been to a strip club, but uh, it seems to me that a stripper is putting on a performance and yeah. somebody enjoys that performance. I think that's a wonderful thing. Although from what I've heard, it can get kind of just weird, uh, just like a let's come gawk type of thing. Yeah, and seems, I, 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 I saw that. You know, I, I saw guys that were there that were just kind of, oh. But so, but so what? I mean, those yeah. women are getting paid to be there and do that. And hopefully they're doing it by choice, right? I mean, if they're not, yeah. that's a different situation. But those women that, that choose to do that, I mean, they, they understand, well, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. They, they understand that there are women that are, there are people that are there to just ogle them and they're giving them dollar bills at the same time, right? right. So I'm not sure that, that there's a problem with that in that situation. It's different when a woman is walking down the street and, you know, maybe she, you know, depending on how she's dressed, that you feel the need to say something to, you know, hey, baby, you're so hot or something like that. You know, that, I mean, that that's a different situation. Because it, well, it, it seems to me that if, if the woman doing the striptease is enjoying herself and the audience is enjoying themselves, I think that's a wonderful thing. Right. But I'm if still, I still remember when me and Mike went and Mike got lap dances. They were fifteen dollars a shot, and he went for three. You know, she she, she did one because you do it one per song, and she's like, "You want another?" He's like, "Uh huh." <laughs> he ended up blowing fifty bucks in like fifteen minutes on her. Right, but I but I think it's a different situation when when a woman is just walking down the street. Right, but even though if, if for some reason you feel the need to approach me, you can say a play that's like, "Ma'am." You look very attractive today. Or you can just not say anything. <laughs> mm -hmm. you, you, yeah, you don't. You yeah, don't have yeah. to compliment any everybody on their attractiveness. You don't have to. I agree. 
No, yeah. I mean, and, and it's, I mean, it's different if it's it, somebody, It seems like you know, a really strange thing to just say out loud to somebody. Right. But you see guys doing it all the time, you know, talk, you know, a woman goes by and that's harassment. And when a, when, if a woman walks by you and you start, you know, cat calling her, that's harassment at that point. Yeah. It's a different situation than a strip club. And Brian knows. Yeah. I mean, I, I've been slapped many times. I think I finally get it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> One of the comments in this Moncat article, too, that I really like, this commenter, Cousin It, on the YouTube page, there's a quote from the Mormon group that did this. Our steak standards night was a huge success. A steak is a, as an aside, a steak is a subdivision of a church membership. It's like a local church. So our, our steak standards night was a huge success. The night had an underlying theme of it's your choice. It was a night of educating the girls about their dress, speech, actions, and self-portrayal on social media. We had a fashion show of girls in modest yet fashionable swimwear, prom dresses, church attire, and appropriate missionary clothing. Modest yet fashionable swimwear is the one that goes from the shoulders to the knees, right? I don't know. Well, <laughs> not shoulders. It's got to be like halfway down to your elbow where your temple garments would be. It has to cover your temple garments. So it would be from like just above your elbow to just above your knee. Temple garments would be around your forehead, I think. You would think. But... My temple garments got shortened in the fire. Because <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were Mormon when you walked in With your shirt and tie That nice look without any sin You don't even try Somebody should tell me what the hell the Bechdel test is. Okay. Finally, I get into this. Yes. Let's okay. get to this. Believe it or not, this is one I've been wanting to bring up for a while. And the weird thing is it's fit in with almost all of our past podcasts on um, topics. This one, you know, it fits in with our mail stuff. It fit in last time with our take on Hollywood. It, it's really an interesting topic and in how much stuff it's been fitting well, in Well, we like to bash the patriarchy. Yeah. So, yes, it, it we, we tend to do this a lot. Right. <laughs> so it so, does fit. Back in 1985, comic script done by Alison Bechdel. I think it's Bechdel. Yeah, Bechdel. That's how someone is pronounced. Okay, so Alison Bechdel in 1985 was doing a comic strip called Dykes to Watch Out For. In it, she um, has these two lesbians walking. One of them talks about how she doesn't go to see movies anymore because they don't satisfy her three basic requirements. One, it has to have at least two women characters in it who, two, talk to each other about three, something besides a man. And the final joke is, oh, yeah, so you're not going to see very many movies anymore. It is something that's been going around for a while. You, I have a link up there to the Bechdel movie test list which but, actually goes through right but there's there's a flaw here yeah and we'll get to that well i was just gonna say the flaw is easy if you don't go to the movie you never know if it passed the test <laughs> true somebody has to go to the movie to tell you if it passed the test true there is a flaw in just that alone but, <laughs> but i'm gonna go into the flaws i have with the test in and of itself because i uh, while i agree with the idea of the test there's actually the idea of saying women aren't represented enough in our movies is actually something worth thinking about and looking into. You know, any movie you have enjoyed, it's worth looking through and saying, did it pass the test? 
Now, whether or not it passed the test does not make mean whether or not it was a good movie. And one of my first examples I'm going to give is the movie Castaway. It fails the test, but it fails the test for all the right reasons. If it passed the test, it wouldn't be the same movie. There are only two characters in Castaway, and one of them is a volleyball. <laughs> so you could not pass the test and make it work. But Castaway is a fun, great movie. Very enjoyable. Male volleyball or female volleyball? Uh, Wilson, I think, is not only considered a male name. I, I, I'm trying to remember if um, it's Wilson referred is, to. It's often the last, last name. In fact, it's a last name. In fact, the ball, I think, is I think it's it's a last name of um, of the of a person who started the company, right? Okay, that makes so. sense. So we don't know now, what. Do, sex we, do we know for a fact that they didn't make sweet sweet love to each other? <laughs> but still, that Wilson would only count as one character. And I, I didn't hear Wilson talk, at least not not in any form that I could comprehend. Don't know um, how Tom Hanks' character perceived him, but he made for, him or her. Yeah, that was the first movie that popped in my head that I knew would fail the test, but it fails for all the right reasons. The story itself would would not work if it tried to pass the test. And that's one of the things to me that you'd have to look at. Why did it fail the test? But that's not her point. That And that's part of the problem is it, um, it actually, to me, is almost the – he's trying to say you know, movies need to be more inclusive of women, which is great. But at the same time, then he's saying that I'm going to discriminate against movies and decide whether or not they're good or bad if they pass this one no, test. No, 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 no. She's just deciding whether she's going to see them or not based on whether they pass the test. She's right. making no judgment on the quality of them. All right. Which yeah, means but she's limiting, her, she's limiting her, ver- her, her viewing experience and we're, we're basing this test on somebody who's making a, a limiting, a, limiting their viewing decision. For yes, their, but for she's their own got purposes. other things to do, I'm sure. And their yeah. purchasing decision, though. It's a, yeah. There's money involved, too. But at the same time, the movie Showgirls passes the test perfectly. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And that movie, the only reason to watch it is for the nudity and sex because the story is pure crap. Well, there, there's one thing, one assumption that we're making here, which is that women have things to talk to each other about that are interesting <laughs> other than men. <laughs> Well, it was interesting because if you go through the um, list of movies, read some of the comments on the movie Lego, the Lego movie, a person says the problem with that is the fact that they're not real women, that they're Lego characters. Oh, God. Hey, wait, like, really? wait a <laughs> Frozen passes the test, doesn't it? It barely passes the test. Okay. Um, And that's because... um, Even though it has a gay agenda? Oh, does what, it? What? I missed that. <laughs> like a movie has a gay agenda? No, what? Frozen. Oh, Frozen. Doesn't yeah. does Frozen? Yeah, Frozen would definitely pass. It. Yeah, yeah. Even with its but, gay agenda. And we were talking about Lego Movie, weren't we? Yeah, I yeah, was. I was just asking. It for, yeah. Okay. Lego Movie barely passes. Barely passes because okay. Wild Style and Unikitty have one um, exchange between um, each other, and that's it. But that's you know the minimum to pass. There, even though it passes, it passes for a cheesy reason. So yeah, and so the test itself to me, I understand the need for it, and understand looking at it, there has to be a follow up of questions as to why it passed and why it didn't pass. Like I said, Showgirls is probably not a movie that the when she came up with the test, but but ugh, Bechdel would have approved of. I don't know the char- the lesbian characters in the in the cartoon might have. <laughs> they, they might have enjoyed saying. it for the same reason I I enjoy it, but at the same time. It is a horrible, horrible movie if you take out the sex and nudity. Movie-wise, right off the bat, 
is how I would view it. You have to go a level beyond that. Uh, we've talked about Doctor Who in the past because we're Doctor Who fans. At least I think all of us are. I don't know. I know I am. I know Brian is. But we've often talked about it. One interesting thing that came up the recent, a couple years ago, they switched over showrunners. And so there is talk over which one has been better with um, the Bechdel test. And so it actually went through episode by episode. So, you know, I, I love Doctor Who, but I don't think I could actually do this. We watch all the episodes with that in mind. But apparently with Russell T. Davies, um, he 89% of his episodes passed, passed the um, test, while with um, Stephen Moffat, only 57% of his episodes passed. The interesting thing I found was looking at some of them, it's it, the same question comes up. Episode, for, uh, this is first um, series episode, Father's Day, which is a brilliant, brilliant episode. It fails the test. And the reason it fails the test is because Rose and her mother, they, they have conversations, with it, but the only conversation they have is about Rose's father. But that's the episode focuses on her father. The story is her father. And it wouldn't make any sense for them to not talk about her father. And so that's an episode that, once more, you, why did it fail? Well, it failed for all the right reasons. So it's a, you know, even failing the test, it's still a great episode if you look at the reasoning as to why it failed. But once again, I, that it doesn't hurt, that's not her point. Right. And so C would, C would not watch this incredibly well done episode that has emotion, has story, has plot, has characters, has everything. So what? Well, Z misses out. And that, okay. that's, but... someone who's going to live by that solid rules is going to miss out on a lot of great stuff. And well, that's except their choice, well, though. Well, Mormons are missing out on a lot of great sex. <laughs> yeah, and masturbation. And masturbation. Uh, I've, I've got a small question just about the criteria here. How much, uh, how long of uh, talk does it have to be to count for this? Like, I it's, mean, uh, a woman could just say to another woman, hey, want a peppermint? Sure. Uh, apparently that that's got to be like a two-minute conversation, right? No, it doesn't give a time frame. Just a conversation. So an exchange of words is basically what it's being measured by because there's nothing more given. And, so how, and how do we how do we qualify like it, like a two minute conversation? Let's say, let's say they talk about a man, but they also talk about something else. How much? How long of the conversation well, do they have to talk about something else for it to count as passing? Well, that that's the problem. The the rules aren't really that refined. If if as far as I can figure, if they're having the conversation and a man is brought up, that disqualifies it. Here's the thing: is I think I think the point here is simple: that there are not enough strong female roles in movies. Right. And, and, and I think that, I, I think that there's not much more reason to, to go further than that. I mean, that's, that's her point. I mean, her point is simple. And just because, yes, you, you, there's a lot of great episodes that you're talking about, you know, and stuff that she's going to miss out, uh, um, make her point invalid. Is there no. a fear, is there a fear that other people look to the Bechtel test for their own viewing decisions? Like, is, how widely used is this? Um, that's hard to tell. I mean, I don't think any study's been done with it. You know, there's no real way to figure out how often it's used. It's, it's something that's coming up more and more. And, you know, if you look through these pages I put on there, you can see, you know, people are really examining it and taking it fairly seriously. But no, at no point do they look at it and say, okay, why did it pass or fail? Does, you know, how does that affect the story in and of itself? Because once more, going back to Father's Day, Rose is a strong character. Her mother's a strong character. In other episodes, they pass the test because they qualify for all of it. And this one episode, they fail. Well, if, if you're one that's going to live your life by saying, I will only watch stuff that passes the test, 
suddenly you can't watch this one great episode just because the one episode fails when most of the others pass. Well, and it's it it, it is she expecting? Wait, is would she be expecting the whole series to pass? In this case, I mean, uh, uh, she's talking about individual movies, but when you start breaking it out to a TV shows, TV shows are much more varied. Does it? Does every episode have to pass for her to watch it? Right. That that'd be a good question. I I, know, I mean, I, I once how, again, her, how rigid do you have to live your life by this test if you're taking this test as your criteria as to whether or not you will enjoy a movie? But maybe it's just a good general guideline. That's what I, it, I mean. Th- yeah. That's how it should be. I, I agree. It should be a guideline. You should look at it. And like I said, go through and say, yes, does it pass or not? And then, like I said, the follow-up needs to be, did it pass, did it fail for the right reasons, and did it pass for the right reasons? Maybe it's the icing on the cake of a good movie. If it's a good movie and it passed the Bechdel test, yeah. then, yeah. I'd, I'll definitely give you that. If it's a good movie that can pass the test, it's done its job. If it's what is a good the, movie, uh, go ahead. What is the test that, uh, what do they call the test? that a movie passes if two giant robots have a significant conversation without involving a human character. <laughs> oh, the Iron Man uh, test. Uh, so the follow-up thing is the movie Pacific Rim inspires an alternate test called the Mako Mori test. Actually, it's Mako. Mako? Mako! Mako Mori. Yeah, Mako that actually Mori. flows a lot better. <laughs> uh, That's the correct pronunciation. Yeah, yeah. You know me in pronunciations. I'm not the best at them. But in the movie, it fails the test because it really only has one woman character in it. So the obvious question is why, you know, once more, why does it fail and does it? So in this case, I mean, here's the thing is that, okay, it fails. It only has one woman in it. That's kind of the point that there, that once again, it's missing strong female characters. It's got, it's got plenty of strong male characters. Right. So it has a lack. All right. So the, um, Mako Mori test is passed if the movie Mako. A, at least, least one female character, B, who gets her own narrative arc, and C, that is not about supporting a man's story. So it's going with a slightly different idea in the same direction. In this case, like, Avengers would pass. Avengers fails initially because, while they have several strong female characters, those characters don't really interact with each other. In this but- case, um, like the Black Widow, she is her... She's in the movie. She has her own narrative arc, and her narrative arc is not about supporting a man's story. What about She's that got Doctor read Who? In her ledger. What about that Doctor Who episode? It still wouldn't pass, would it? Because they... um, no, it would pass because oh, would pass. um, Rose definitely has her own narrative arc, and it's not about supporting a man's story because it's her story. Okay. Even though it's linked to her father, it's her dealing with her father because her father died when she was a baby, and she never got to know him. So it's not her father's story per se, although it, her, her father's story is told. But a true story in dealing with a father she never knew. Well, for that matter, the Mak- the Makomori story focuses heavily on the man who raised her, the stalker Pentecost, the character played by Idris Elba. Elba. Right. But Elba. it's not his story; it's her story. Right. It's just a man. But he in affects it. it. He affects it heavily. What I'm saying is that the the Father's Day episode of Doctor Who counts for that reason. Right. This secondary test is also another one worth looking at. You know, if a test fails the um, Bakdel test, does it pass the Makomori test? So obviously you have a debate here. It, um, you know, does this count as well as the um, Bakdel test? I'm having a fun night. With you know, this. here's my problem okay? is I, I don't care enough about either one of them. <laughs> about yeah. about provi- about applying these tests 
to every damn movie I'm going to see. I can I, understand uh, asking for stronger female characters, actively trying to make that happen. But the the fact that the tests are needed in and of themselves, and they are needed, I think, to okay. some level socially, t- um, points out some gaps in our culture that do need to be addressed. Maybe it just provides a good framework for improving the situation in filmmaking. See, I right. like that. I, I like, I and, mean, and that makes a lot of sense. Out there, hopefully we'll get filmmakers to think about it. You know, when you're doing the movie, am I, you know, can I make them pass these tests without, um, with still following the storyline? And if you can, why not? You know, admittedly, once more, Castaway, no, you couldn't make it pass either of these tests, but it do- Castaway doesn't need to because it worked. It, it, and it wasn't a movie that, would take away from feminism because it's not, you know, you could switch Tom Hanks' character out for a female who could pass the Makimori test and that wouldn't change the story at all. I was just going to say the narrative of that story doesn't change with regard to the gender of the main character. Right. Yeah. So th- yeah, that, that's a completely neutral story, gender. Or the gender uh, of the soccer ball. Exactly, the volleyball. volleyball. In that case, it works. That, that's how I look at it. It's a cultural thing that you know, hopefully will influence Hollywood. Of course, you have to realize I am myself a filmmaker, and I want to think about that stuff when I'm writing my scripts and actually when I'm writing stories. It can also be applied to any works of fiction as well. Then I would say that the Bechdel test has has done its intention right That's what there. we hope. Yeah. As long as it gets people thinking about this kind Absolutely. of Absolutely, and I agree with that. Um, I, I just think that we kind of, we might we might be beating this up a, a little bit, giving you know a little bit more time than it deserves. It, if it erases our consciousness, then it's done what it needs to. Well, the thing is, it's out there, and people are thinking about it. You know, it That's all to the good. Yeah, it's going to be part of our culture from here on out. It would be my guess. Whatever your opinions on it in and of itself, it's there. Maybe we'll uh, expand it to include like transgender people or people of other races or whatever. I'm sure there's a lot of improvement in that direction, too. Giant robot test, I'm telling you. The Iron Man test, yeah. The hey, Iron I, Man had a guy in the suit. I, I found a Wilson Castaway Volleyball for $104. Aww. What sex is it? I, I don't know, but I found the same exact volleyball at Walmart for eleven twenty-four. <laughs> Without a handprint. With the handprint. It has yeah. the handprint in everything. You had the handprint? It, it, both of them have the handprint. It's the same exact huh. volleyball. It's the Castaway Volleyball. It has the handprint. And uh, at Walmart, it's $11. But I found it at this other place, if, if, you, if you'd rather, for 104 Wow. That's, that's not a bad markup. <laughs> that's steep. <laughs> that's steep. All right, guys. Anything else? No. I'm All right. Good. Say goodnight, everybody. Good. everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night. Another one in the can. Thank you. Jeez. Well, if you've made it this far, that's an hour of your time you're never getting back. But the amateur skeptics appreciate you giving that hour to us. If you'd like to tell us how you felt about spending that hour with us, let us know at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. You could always roast us in a voicemail at 720-295-7785. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons Sharealike No Derivatives 3.5 License. So, hand it to an unsuspecting friend, but please, just don't change the content. Intro music by Peter Cannell. Find more of Peter's music at soundcloud.com forward slash P-K-A-N-O-L. Exit music by OFM. Find more of their music at myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. Artwork for the Amateur Skeptics by Sean Smith Ford. Copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraitry.